Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Recently, I attended a, um, a lecture by a lady a medical doctor, uh, and she was speaking on the subject of one flesh. She was a, a, um, a Christian uh, doctor, and she had done quite a bit of research in this area, uh, particularly into the science behind the phrase one flesh that um, is used in the Bible, in, and particularly in, in, in Genesis, um, where in Genesis chapter 2, we're talking about the creation story and the creation of man, and um, in Genesis chapter 2, um, verse uh, 18, we read, and then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper for him. And then a little bit further down in verse 20, we read, But for the man there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And with the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And then a very important verse in verse 24, we read, Therefore a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. That's a very interesting um, statement there, this uh, concept of, of one flesh and immediately what came to mind is again I guess thinking from a scientific uh, perspective and in terms of uh, DNA and, and all this sort of thing that when Eve was made she would have been made essentially with and uh, using the DNA from Adam so her DNA essentially came from Adam from Adam's uh, DNA, and so they were very closely related. And so, in that in that sense, um, they were in effect one flesh. Now, it's interesting that the Bible says that when a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, they shall become one flesh. Now, there's some interesting. Uh, sort of thoughts that arise from that, that uh, when a, um, a couple marry and uh, the union that uh, takes place, what, what actually happens in terms of the, this one flesh scenario? And it turns out that there's been some very, very interesting research has, has come to light in uh, recent times particularly with regard to the intimate relation of marriage. And one of the other things that we're warned about, that uh, God uh, very early uh, warned about, we read in the uh, Ten Commandments, if we read in, um, turn to Exodus chapter 20, and read in the uh, Ten Commandments there, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14, uh, God told Moses that one of the important Ten Commandments was you shall not commit adultery. And, of course, that was uh, repeated in, in Deuteronomy 5.18. So we have one of the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments there 
you shall not uh, commit adultery. It's actually the uh, the seventh um, uh, one of the Ten Commandments. Now, another interesting statement, again, that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verses 18 to 20, and I'll just uh, look that up now. We read here that Paul is uh, writing to the Corinthians and he says, Shun immorality, for every other sin which a man commits is outside his body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit with you, which you have from God? And so there's uh, a number of uh, statements there too that uh, talk about... um, uh, you know, fornication, um, uh, and, and that is uh, intimate relations outside of marriage. To uh, these, um, God warns against that. And again, we when we look at this whole concept of um, of one flesh, we see there's a couple of things that there's a special relationship uh, when a man and a woman uh, get married, and also there's these warnings against. Uh, extra relationships outside that, extra intimate relationships um, outside that one-to-one relationship and uh, and hence the warning against uh, adultery and the warning against um, uh, sexual immorality or um, having uh, intimate relations outside that marriage union. Now, a friend that uh, we often uh, have uh, Bible readings and him singing together, and he uh, teaches um, personal development in uh, high school to the students. And, of course, under the curriculum there, the uh, state uh, curriculum is a very secular curriculum that uh, is um, essentially says that young people have a whole lot of uh, freedom with regard to intimate relationships, but, you know, just use um, appropriate protection against pregnancy. And essentially that's that's the guidelines. Well, it's very, very interesting, some of the research now that is coming out that really supports the Bible position of, um, of uh, one couple being married where possible for, for life. And there's very interesting science behind this. And there are particularly health implications for the woman. Now, there's another verse, and I, I forgot to look it up, but um, as, as a verse uh, there in the New Testament, it talks about how husbands are to, to care for their wives as the weaker vessel, although they are equal heirs in Christ. So in terms of the standing with God, the man and the woman are, are equal heirs, but um, biologically, uh, women um, are certainly more vulnerable. Now, of course, you know, a lot of people like to think that men and women are, you know, are equal, and in many ways, we have, you know, we have athletics and this sort of thing. But when it comes to childbearing, which is an important role that women have, and this is how we have the next generation. This is how we are, we are here. And uh, one of the important commands that God gave was for uh, the couple were to go forth and and have children. That's a very important aspect. But the child rearing and and uh, having a, a child is a, is a very tricky um, and um, 
a delicate balance of biochemical reactions that, that take place there. And the, and the woman in her reproductive system has a lot of very special components that uh, enable this to take place. One of the interesting things that has come out of this is that when a, a woman has a child, she actually takes on board the father's DNA into her body. It comes, becomes part of her body. And in particular, the child's DNA becomes part of her body. And this is it's very, it's very important because in the, uh, for uh, conception to take place, the, the body, um, the, uh, a woman's body has a lot of mechanisms to protect her body from uh, foreign um, uh, DNA, from infections and, and so forth. And in order to become pregnant, of course, she has to uh, allow her um, husband's DNA to survive in her body and uh, become the new baby, uh, part of the new baby. So the new baby inherits uh, part of its DNA from its mother and part of its DNA from its father. And so a mechanism has to uh, take place that allows the uh, father's DNA to be admitted into the body without being destroyed as foreign DNA because that will normally be the, the process. And this uh, takes place um, as a result of um, having uh, intimate relationships on a, on a regular basis that help the woman's body adjust to that. Now, if that doesn't take place or if there are a lot of different partners, this actually affects the woman's immune system quite significantly. And there are consequences about that that, will, um, that I'll allude to a little bit further, quite important health consequences that have now been scientifically verified. And one of the important aspects, though, that is really fascinating, as fascinating uh, medical researchers at the present time, is that when the woman becomes pregnant with her first child, she takes on board that baby's DNA, which includes part of her husband's DNA or the father's DNA. Now, people, and I think this is a really, really inter interesting aspect, and the ramifications of the woman actually taking on board this DNA permanently. So even if... Um, the, um, the pregnancy miscarriages or is terminated, that DNA of that little child remains preserved in that mother's body. And this has, again, some very interesting ramifications for further down the track. If you want to read up, and I would encourage actually any listeners that have teenage children that are coming to the time when they need to learn about reproduction and reproductive health, if you Google Kathy Wallace, so that's K-A-T-H-Y W-A-L-L-A-C-E, Kathy Wallace, One Flesh. If you just Google that phrase, Kathy Wallace, One Flesh, what will come up uh, on, on Google anyway, it's the, the top one will be an, a research article published in the Creation Technical Journal. And that uh, research article explains a lot of what I'll be talking about in this, in this talk. Plus it gives the scientific references. 
uh, to the research papers. Now, uh, a couple of years after that uh, paper was published, I think it was in 2015, the, uh, one of the Nature journals, uh, Nature Reviews in Immunology, um, actually published a, a very important review paper, and it, the review paper was entitled Immunological Implications of Pregnancy-Induced Microchimerism. Now, a, a chimera, um, you may uh, recall, or if you don't, was a, a mythical animal that was made up of three animals. So it had the head of a lion, a body of a goat, a tail of a snake. And essentially what this uh, symbolises in medical situation is where foreign DNA becomes permanently part of a, a mammal's, in particular a mammal's uh, DNA. And one of the things that has been identified is that this occurs in humans, it occurs in women during pregnancy, and the implications of what this DNA has. Now, particularly if the woman is exposed to more than one uh, male DNA input. This is, um, and this is where the, the health implications come in. So the reference for that, for anyone listening, any medical uh, people that would like to look it up, it was published in Nature Reviews of Immunology, Volume 17, pages 483 to 494 in 2017. And the authors were Jeremy Kinder, Edna Stilzer, um, Petra Uck, and Sing Sing Wei. And so that was um, called The Immunological Implications of Pregnancy-Induced Microchimerism. Now, one of the things that has... Uh, one of the research factors that has come out of this is that once uh, a woman has that first child, if she goes on to have children to other um, different men, then her risk of all risk of mortality increases quite dramatically. And so her risk of dying from different illnesses, significantly increases and the more uh, partners that she has that risk increases quite dramatically. Um, now one of the scientists been doing quite a bit of uh, research in this area is uh, Professor Gustav Decker, uh, that's D-E-K-K-E-R, he's a Professor of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at the University of Adelaide and he's specialised in reproductive health. And if you look up either of those uh, papers that I've referred to, Google those, then at the end of those papers you'll find the references and there's uh, some important studies that, um, and research that he has done. And one of the comments that the researchers have made is that they were really surprised with these findings. And one of the things that they've found is that when a woman has more than one intimate partner, it affects her immune system and the woman becomes much more vulnerable to autoimmune diseases. And one of the reasons is that with the initial pregnancy that she has, her body adjusts to having that particular male DNA in her body. 
And so that's the male DNA carried um, from the, the father that um, caused the little baby, of course, father the little baby. If she goes on to have another intimate relationship, another marriage relationship or, or something outside marriage, then that DNA then, the body has to decide, does it recognise it as uh, acceptable DNA or not? Now, that DNA as well will become impregnated in the body if there's a pregnancy. And so this leads to complications because we now have multiple foreign DNA in being impregnated in the cells of the, the woman in her own body not just in the baby, but in her own body. And this leads to a whole lot of vulnerability in terms of autoimmune-type uh, conditions. The other risk that uh, increases, of course, is the risk of cervical cancer. And so one of the findings that the, has come out of all this research is that if a woman has just one um, intimate partner and in particular if that intimate partner has never had any other partners either, the chances of a woman um, developing cervical cancer are very close to zero. It would be... It, it, it's, it's very, very... Uh, uh, low odds of getting um, cervical cancer under that situation. And this raises a really, really interesting question where um, and um, ethical issue where, of course, they're wanting to um, widespread immunise young women against cervical cancer. Um, and, you know, this, this really has implications for society and what the implied behaviour is for young women. Because if young women follow the Bible maxim um, and, uh, of uh, abstinence uh, from intimate uh, relationships until marriage and have just that one partner, there's virtually a zero risk of developing that um, disease. Um, of course, there's also all the uh, standard uh, sexually transmitted diseases that um, occur, and it's very interesting. Under the understand under the uh, Australian Commonwealth um, uh, Personal Development Education, one of the things that is simply recommended um, is that uh, people should have uh, regular check checkups for secular, uh, sexually transmitted uh, diseases. But of course that is totally unnecessary if both partners marry as virgins, as the Bible um, suggests, as God requested. And there's, again, zero chance of, of having those uh, diseases, um, unless unfortunately there's a a blood transfusion using contaminated blood, but that you know, there's extensive testing of that today. So when we see the science behind uh, the one flesh is is highly highly significant, and um, to me it was uh, quite an eye opener. I hadn't uh, read previously about uh, the microchimerism uh, occurring. Um, 
in uh, humans as part of that uh, relationship. So, But to me, it just, again, reinforced what the Bible um, says about our relationships, about our health. Um, God set out a plan to optimise and uh, maximise our health. I think one of the other things that uh, aren't uh, uh, that, that again is very important to let young people know is that um, the while it, you can go and have uh, tests for um, you know sexually transmitted um, diseases and so forth, uh, certain diseases such as chlamydia can, in the case of a, a young woman, render her so that she can never have children. And um, there's there's no sort of normal barrier protection um, against that uh, disease as well. Although you know many health authorities uh, claim yes that you can have sort of protection um, because it's a, a particular type of bacteria. There actually is no uh, protection. And so again, as we see the the harmful effect harmful effect that. Uh, young people expose them to by going against God's standard for marriage. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we may not, you know, like it, but young women are very, very vulnerable because they pay such an important role in reproduction. And the the little baby grows uh, in them. Their body is designed to have that little baby, to nurture that little baby and to provide for it afterwards in so many special ways. Um, the biochemistry um, of birth is absolutely amazing and, and we still don't understand some of the, the mechanisms that result that just at the time of birth, switching over um, the, um, the breathing, the blood supply and so forth uh, of the baby to, its, uh, to live independently and the changes that occur in the mother just at that time, hormonal changes, whole lot of biochemical um, reactions changed, switched over to different uh, chemical reactions. It's just amazing. And when we think that this is all programmed into the genetic code, which is in the DNA. And so when we, you think about it, it it's, it's the ramifications uh, for the body of, and particularly the body of the woman taking on board uh, her husband's DNA, they truly do become one flesh. There's still research, of course, going on as to whether as a result of intimate relations, how much uh, of the uh, woman's DNA becomes part of the uh, husband. This is um, still you know, being researched there. There's no real um, strong um, indications there, although we do know that uh, the microbiome of the reproductive system Systems of both the husband and wife um, are shared. And, and that's another important thing too that people don't realise, uh, many people, uh, probably most of us don't realise that the male reproductive system has its own microbiome and the female reproductive system has its own microbiome as well. And we also know that your microbiome is then passed on to the little child via the mother and we know that your microbiome can affect such things as uh, your IQ and um, um, you know a number of behavioural things as we learn more about the, the gut-brain axis, how the, the bacteria in our gut 
and in our system can affect our brain. And, of course, we have um, bacteria in our, um, circulate into our brain and we know that there is a, actually a brain microbiome as, as well that can affect our brain. One of the latest uh, areas of research that is being done is how uh, the microbiome affects the brain and how, um, and this is a microbiome that gets into the blood um, and how this can relate to uh, depression and uh, possible indir- other ways of, of looking at how um, illnesses such as depression can be treated because changes in the microbiome have found been associated with uh, susceptibility to depression and so forth. One of the other things, of course, is that the husband's DNA via the child, a uh, little baby, gets into the bloodstream of the mother and, and again, again that DNA uh, circulates uh, within the brain as well. There are a lot of fascinating implications uh, for this um, and how special... Um, the marriage relationship is. And again, the Bible counts us that it is so special and something that really is to be preserved. Of course, you know, many people grow up, we, uh, people grow up, we make mistakes. And one of the beautiful things is, of course, as we come to Jesus Christ, our Saviour, and uh, talk to him, we can have forgiveness for our mistakes. And God can change us and and make us into effectively new people through the renewings of our mind. And this is the wonderful hope that God gives us through Jesus as he came to earth and lived um, his life on earth to, to show us this thing. And this is the wonderful hope that is offered through God, through Christ, through the Bible. These, and where There are so many stories of the lives of people that were broken, broken by bad things happening to them and making bad choices and how they've been restored through coming to Jesus and praying to God. And God, who is so real, has has been able to transform them as they've surrendered their mind to him. But the other message that I want to get out is it's so important for young people, I believe, to to understand this, that their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and of course, and, and, and when we're young and we get to that age where we're ripe for love, finding a partner, it's so important to follow God's guidelines with regard to intimate behaviour and intimate relationships. And God has given us these guidelines because they're special and they lead to our best health. When we, um, unfortunately, if we don't know about these things and we make long decisions and particularly go ahead and have uh, multiple, uh, more than one intimate partner, there are definitely, it would seem, quite serious health uh, implications. And again, if you want to read up on those, I would suggest for the easy-to-read lay version, if you just Google Kathy Wallace, K-A-T-H-Y, Wallace, One Flesh, you can read the article there online. Uh, It's on the uh, creation.com website. In um, a reprint from their technical journal has all the references there and explains a lot of the health implications, the adverse health implications uh, that uh, can in affect in particularly women. You've been listening to Faith and Science. 
And remember, if you would like to re-listen to this program, just Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the Listen button. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.